The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, our show today is really about something quite important, and that is credit scores and credit reports. And one of my very favorite friends who I was so pleased to meet back in the mid-90s, and he's been on our show many times before, we've had the opportunity to be at conferences together. He is a wonderful privacy expert. He is the publisher of Privacy Times, which I get every month since the early 90s, the mid-90s. And I read that just religiously when I get it by email and in the mail. I think it is very important to keep up. And he's also, besides being the publisher of Privacy Times, he is also the author of a great book, which I have. And I've gotten several updates of it and talked about it before. And it's called Credit Scores and Credit Reports, How the System Really Works and What You Can Do by Evan Hendricks, my dear friend Evan Hendricks from beautiful Washington, D.C. If you haven't heard him before, you're going to just love it because he's going to give you lots of great advice. But since 1981, Evan Hendricks has been the editor and publisher and the founder of Privacy Times, which is that newsletter based in the Washington, D.C. area. And through that newsletter alone, he's published over 3,000 pages covering a wide range of privacy and information law subjects, including the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which really governs our credit reports and our credit scores that can either make or break our lives to buy houses or cars or get a job. Evan regularly testifies before Congress. I've read many of his written testimony when he's testified orally. He's a regular presenter at the Federal Trade Commission workshops. He's been qualified by the courts as an expert witness in identity theft and Fair Credit Reporting Act cases, and he served as a consultant on privacy issues to governmental agencies and businesses, and he's been a featured American presenter at events in Paris, Venice, Italy, London, Ontario, Canada, Ottawa. He is just really wonderful, and he regularly is quoted in the media himself. And so we're always so pleased to have him on the show. Thank you, Evan, for joining us from beautiful D.C. Well, Mari, thank you for that way too kind introduction. <laughs> well, you know, I think you're wonderful, and I, I'm so glad that I that I actually know you in person, too, because you are a terrific guy and you're adorable. <laughs> So, Evan, let's talk about, you know, everybody's worried about credit scores. I mean, we are going through a very rough time in our country. We're rocky waters. 
So, you know, the credit score is really important for us to get jobs, for us, unfortunately, for us to get a house, to get an apartment, any kind of credit. So can you give us an overview about the basics of credit scores? Yes. Uh, Again, thanks for having me, Mari, uh, and on your great show. Uh, The credit score is a three-digit number that reflects your credit worthiness at a given point in time. The main credit score used by lenders is made by the company FICO. That's the name of the score. They used to be called Fair Isaac. Um, the range is from 850 to 350, um, but the most practical range is if nowadays with the credit tightening up, if you're above 760, a FICO score, you're considered top of the line. And if you're, depending on the lender, if you're 640 or below, you're considered subprime. Um, the, the fundamental rule is the better your score, the higher your score, the less you're going to pay for mortgages, refinancing, auto loans, uh, sometimes credit cards as well, because you'll get better offers if you have a higher score. Um, and conversely, the lower your score, the more you pay. And if you go to my book or to myfico.com, you can see a chart that lays out uh, the difference in payments for good scores versus bad scores. And you'll see, like, for a mortgage or refinancing, especially in a high-priced market like California, the difference is, in one year, it ends up almost being a car payment. That's how how much difference is. So it's very important to do your best to keep up the score, which is, is harder these days because things are tightening up for people. Now, the FICO score is based entirely on information in your credit report. That's why my book is called Credit Scores and Credit Reports, uh, because they don't, FICO doesn't pull any information out of you know, alternative sources. They, just, you're, they apply a software model to your credit report. It scores the information, and, it's, and the credit score is based on five categories the way they interpret your credit report. The first category, as many would assume, is your payment history. Do you pay your bills on time? Um, That's 35% of your score. And the thing to keep in mind in that category is if something's very recent and negative, then it's going to really ding your score, possibly slam it, depending on how negative it is. Uh, But if all of a sudden a 90-day late hits your credit report, your credit score will nosedive. Now, the second category which people know less about, except now people are learning more and more about this since I wrote the first edition of my book, is, is your credit utilization ratio, which is a fancy way of saying how maxed out are you on your credit cards. And so uh, the, how you manage your credit cards is very important for the FICO score. Uh, if you have five credit cards and they're all maxed out, like you have a $3,000 limit on each one of them, it's going to real, and you're up to $2,900 balance on each of your $3,000 limit cards. It's going to really hurt your credit score in that 30% of the category because they score each card one at a time and then they score them another time collectively as a team. Uh, conversely, if you have five credit cards and you have very low, low balances and maybe a few zero balances, that's going to help your credit score. And remind me later to tell how parents can help their adult children by naming them as authorized users on their credit cards. The third category is your length of credit history. That's very straightforward. The longer your credit history, the better. 
and that gets us to those tricky questions about should you close credit cards or not. The fourth category is inquiries. That's the only the latest credit history is 15% of your score, and the uh, inquiries showing when you've applied for new credit, which some people think is the most important, is only 10% of your score. <laughs> and there's special accommodations if you're applying for a mortgage uh, with several different mortgage lenders within a 45-day period. Um, the final category is a little bit of a mystery category, but it's it's also 10% of your score, and that is do you have a healthy mix of credit? Do you have a mortgage, a mainstream credit card, possibly an auto loan, as opposed to a finance company on the corner, which is not as high a quality a lender? Those are the five categories. Those are the parameters for understanding your credit score. And, you know, ever since I read your first book, which I learned a lot, and then, of course, your follow-up second book, I've been telling my clients who have one or two credit cards that they, you know, use to the to the top, you know, basically use it up. So if they have a five thousand uh, dollar credit line, they go up to four thousand or forty five hundred each month. I told them get more credit cards and just use less, so that you've got you're showing that you're responsible. And I thought that was one thing that really hit me hard when I read your book, and and that and I have been telling my clients to do that, you know, be responsible with your credit cards, but have more credit cards and just use them less. So you have not used to the max on all of them, because that really seems to boost the score, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's some of this, the thing about credit scoring is counterintuitive. Um, many of us were raised to think that if you have a credit card laying around and you don't use it, it's responsible to close that card, which in many ways it is. But if you uh, close the card, or the example you gave, you only have two cards and you're getting close to maxing them both out, um, you know, we've explained that hurts your score by having that higher credit utilization ratio. And if you have a card and you close a credit card, then suddenly you're losing um, the points you would get for having available credit limit. The FICO score likes you to have available credit limit. It just wants to see that you know how to manage it and not really use it that much. And then you also lose for your length of history. So you're getting dinged in a 30% category and a 15% category. Right. So, you know, that's another thing I learned from your book, Credit Scores and Credit Reports. And that's what I tell my clients. Look, if you have a card, you know, use it at least a little bit. You know, use it maybe one, use one for gas, maybe one for groceries, one for the doctor or something like that. So you can keep track if you need to, because it's, it's really critical. You know, another thing that people don't know, and this, I'd like you to talk about this a little bit, Evan, is that I used to have an American Express business card. And then I learned, and this was many, many years ago, I have only personal cards because I know that if I have a business card, that doesn't appear on my credit report except for an inquiry. So that's going to be a problem for me, and I'm I'm not necessarily going to be protected by the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And I've had victims of identity theft who never knew that they were victims because those business cards didn't appear on their credit reports. Well, and your question underscores a couple of very important points. One is that your credit score is based on both good news and bad news. So if you have late payments, that's bad news. If you're maxed out on your credit cards, that's bad news. Um, but if you're, you know, the United Visa card, I believe, is the same way. They look at it as a business card, and they don't report it to the credit bureaus. 
And so no news, uh, like if, you, if, you, if you're paying on time and they report it, that would be good news. But if they don't report it, it's no news. And in your case, that's bad news because you were paying on time. Right. So, so, so you know, that's why, uh, and, and the thing also people have to understand is whether American Express or Chase or any company decides to furnish information to a credit bureau like Equifax, TransUnion, or Experian, it's entirely voluntary. They, they, they have many reasons to do it, and most of them do, but there's no requirement that they have to do it. There's only requirements, you mentioned the Fair Credit Reporting Act, if there's a mistake and you dispute it to the credit bureaus, and then they don't correct it after a 30-day investigation. That's when your rights kick in when it comes to the credit card. Company. Right, and and for so many victims of identity theft that you and I have both you know learned about and seen, and you've testified and I've testified, it's really a problem when it's so insidious because those business credit cards um, are are not appearing on the credit reports until they go to collections, and then the collection appears on your credit report. But it's not appearing so that you look like you're remiss because you don't even know it's going on for maybe a couple years as long as your fraudster is paying something. It doesn't even appear. And so then when you find out, you, you have to go way back and look for when there was an inquiry if, if you got a business credit card. So I, I would never have a business credit card for that reason. It just is right. Crazy. You don't get the good news. You, you you only get the bad news when things go wrong. And and as as you've told your audience before, identity theft victims usually are often learn that they're victims of identity theft when they apply for credit, like this is a store card for instant credit, or they want to buy the car, uh, or or refinance their home, and then all of a sudden lender they're applying to looks up at them with a different look on their face saying, oh, my God, you have all these horrible charge-offs. And, you know, you say, I do. The victim says, you know, because it's the first they hear about it. Yeah. Which underscores the importance of checking your credit report. You have a right to a free credit report under federal law from each of the credit bureaus once a year. And you got to take advantage of those rights because the other thing is that uh, the early warning sign for identity theft could be on there. If you look at your credit report and you look at that final section on inquiries to show what entities have pulled your credit, and if you live in California and some auto dealer in Florida pulls your credit, that's a red flag, and that's when you want to kick into action, investigate, and you know possibly you know do it yourself. Or, or there are a few good services out there that can help you with identity theft. Yeah, too. and and Evan, that's so important to look at the inquiries because the the victims of business identity theft, for example, the only way they know is is if they look at that inquiry section because that's how that uh, lender decided to lend to them, even though it was a business account. So you are so right. Now, how about, you know, one of the other things I learned from your book, Credit Scores and Credit Reports, was, you know, how important it is because the the, the thing goes up and down during the month. So, like, I just paid um, online. I just paid my Chase, which is due, you know, the 17th of, of each month. And my American Express is also due then. And then I have another a, a credit card that's due on the 25th. So, you know, I go and I just pay it on the day that it's supposed to. I go through my online banking. But if I know I'm going to apply for credit, I'm going to pay off that debt, you know, my monthly payment all at once before I go to get that car, right? Right. In fact, you want to do it uh, a good 30 to 60 days before you get the car because you don't know exactly what day is your credit card company furnishing information about you to the credit bureau. So 
there have been instances where, you know, you due date is the 12th, you pay it off on the 11th, uh, but the credit bureau or the credit card company uh, reports its information on the 10th. So it makes you look like you're maxed out when, in fact, three days later you paid it down to zero. Yeah, that's why it changes from day to day, right? That's, that's why it's a very dynamic process. And I started by saying that credit score tells you what your credit worthiness is at a certain given point in time. It's like, let's say you have really terrific credit, and you haven't had any late payments show up for a long time, and all of a sudden a 30-day late payment shows up. It's kind of like a shock to the system, like, this guy's never had this. Is he going south suddenly? And that little late can, can drop your score incredibly, you know, and then maybe a month or two later, you know, they see that it's just an outlier. It's not a, it's not a big deal, and your thing comes back. But let's say you just happen to go apply for something you really need, right after that happens, then it's like you're, you're ambushed, basically. Right, and it could be even wrong. I mean, that's happened to me. That's why I use online banking now, because that happened to me once. I paid on time, and then the credit card company said that it was late and charged me a late fee. And I said, what are you talking about? But luckily, I had paid on from my online banking with my bank, and I got them on the phone, and they said, wait a minute, we did an electronic transfer on such and such date, which was two days before it was due, but the credit card company didn't process it for three more days, so they decided to charge me for their lateness. Well, there's not, you know, the thing to, the reason consumers need to beware, and your listeners, uh, is because there's not a great deal of care when it comes to, you know, the creditors and the credit card companies furnishing information to the credit bureaus. They do that as sort of an afterthought. It's voluntary. The reason they do it is there's several reasons, but the bottom line is is that when someone doesn't pay their debt and you report them as 120 days later charged off, that person can't get credit. You know, and that's really no lender will extend major credit to someone with a, a an outstanding late or a charge off on their credit report. You know, and that's the way the system is really supposed to work. What happens though is when there's an inaccuracy. And that's unfairly stopping someone. And then you can't get the, uh, anyone to correct it because both the credit card companies and the big credit bureaus rely on automation and computers, and you can't get a human being to look at it. Right. So one thing I learned, and part of it was just from reading your book, is I learned that I do online banking. I pay all my bills from my bank to whomever I'm paying. So if I pay all my credit cards from my bank to them and I've got a receipt and I know what date it's going to pay and I keep that and then if they try and charge me a late fee, all I have to do is say, here's my receipt. I right. have that receipt. And and so either way, even if you do pay from your bank, which I would prefer that you do, um, but even if you give them your bank number, at least you've got to make sure you always get a receipt for that because that has saved me and my clients on numerous occasions because sometimes they just get lost over there. Like you said, they're electronic. You don't get a human being. You don't even get a monkey, you know, to help you. So it's really important. We are speaking today with my dear friend and wonderful privacy expert. He is the author of my very favorite newsletter that I get, which is called Privacy Times. I've been getting it since the mid-90s. And I get it, oh, it's, it's a monthly, what is it? Is it do I get it monthly or bi-monthly? It comes out every, every two weeks, about 23 times a year. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it slides in there pretty regularly. Yep. yep. And I uh, get it electronically and I get it in the mail, which is great because then I don't have to scan it in, but I've got it and I can look at it. 
And then also Evan is the he is also the author of Credit Scores and Credit Reports, How the System Really Works and What You Can Do, which is very important, especially in this day and age when your your credit worthiness really determines a lot about you. That's your whole character, which is unfortunate, but it is, right? Well, and Mara, you keep saying the mid-90s when, you know, you started getting in, and as long as I've been doing this, but... Just so the listener understands, we're as young as we sound, and we started doing this when we were 15 years old. Right, and we look really young, <laughs> and we haven't had facelifts yet. So. No, no. <laughs> we're organic. And plus, you can hear how much energy both of us have, and he is just a wonderful guy, and just, yeah, I shouldn't tell you how old we are. Okay, <laughs> so anyway, what about getting the credit, the FICO credit scores versus getting the credit scores that you get with Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion? Oh, uh, good one. Um, the, the, the reason FICO is a successful company is that each of the big credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, pay a licensing fee so that when you apply for, let's say, a mortgage or refinancing, they buy, the lender buys the credit report from each of those three big ones, but then those big three got to pay a licensing fee to FICO to include the credit score with it. And so, mm. you know, so they're all making money. So well, the big three credit bureaus said, and then they found out the big three credit bureaus said, that, well, we can, consumers are, are getting wise, they want to get plugged into their credit reports, so we'll send a mo- sell a monitoring service to them, which I think in theory is, is a great thing for people to be plugged into their credit reports uh, electronically and get updates pushed to them. And then they said, well, then we'll include a credit score. But what they did is then they made their own credit scores. And for the most part, the credit scores made by TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian are not scores that are used by lenders. They approximate the FICO score, which is why we sometimes refer to them as FACO scores. <laughs> and so sometimes <laughs> if you, and this is like freecreditreport.com was, right. of course, the most notorious that was fake. Uh, yeah. example of this. And so when you buy your FACO score from a credit bureau, which could be the, the true credit score or a Vantage score or a plus score um, from Experian or TransUnion especially, um, sometimes people found out that it was kind of like a feel-good score. You'd say, oh, good, I got a 730. Uh, but then when you go apply for credit and they pull your true FICO score, you might be down to a 685 wow. uh, because, you know, it's, they can have those sort of differences. Sometimes they approximate it very closely. Sometimes they don't. And the, the issue is now you have, if you apply for uh, with a mortgage and stuff, and, and that you, they, you can ask to get your credit score from, you know, the, the one that they used at the time. And so uh, you can also buy your credit score uh, for what they call a fair and reasonable price, which is usually about 7 bucks. Um, but it used to be you could go to myfico.com and get all three, your Experian, your Equifax, and your TransUnion. Uh, but then Experian and, and Fair Isaac got in some litigation, and Experian cut off MyFICO, so you can now only get your FICO score at TransUnion and Equifax, mm-hmm. which I think is not right. I think you should, you should be able to get your FICO score anytime you want to. So when I, like, I have a monitoring service with American Express, and I can, I can go in any time of the day, any night, you know, whatever, and um, I also get my credit score from all three, just automatically, it's right there. So how far, you know, is it, is it different from the FICO because it might be done at a different time, or is it a totally different algorithm? Well, it, it, I mean, it, I'm not sure. There are some monitoring services that I believe include the FICO scores, the score they offer. And so 
So I'm not sure you have to go read your fine print with American Express, but it, it really, and well, once all you do, your contract though. will specify whether it's a FICO or it's an Experian Plus score or a Vantage score. I think that they are the ones from the credit bureaus because if they were the FICO score, they would be the same, and they're not. They, they, they're not hugely different, but maybe they're, once in a while, they're different, pretty different, but they're usually 10-point difference between the three of them. That's it? Right. So and that can, that, usually it's because there is, a, you know, we talked about the five categories, you know, 35% payment history, 30% how maxed out on your credit cards, and then the other three smaller categories. There's some slight differences in the way they use those categories and how they weight them with the, the credit bureaus, the, the scores that they, they use, the FACO scores. Yeah. And those credit reports, I know I, I have my clients look at them, especially when I'm doing divorce mediation. Everybody brings their credit reports and I go over them with them so that they understand because these people are smart people. But it, those are, first of all, they're not the same layout. And why are they so different, to, so difficult to understand? Yeah. Well, and they, they're a lot better than they used to be. I mean, they, they really looked like, uh, you know, apples and oranges uh, in the past or like a bunch of bear cubs trying to hump a football. So they've, they've, they've cleaned, cleaned them up a little bit, but I tell you, in divorce, the thing is, you, there you have a formal proceeding where the court allocates who's responsible for what, but guess what? The, uh, the credit bureaus don't know any of that. Right. And so we've seen, you and I have both seen cases where, you know, the one ex-spouse, you know, is responsible for a credit card, but they're both co-signers or authorized user. If you're merely an authorized user on a card, it's scored. And so if your ex-spouse doesn't pay it off, it's going to slam your credit. And that's what I mean about good news or bad news. If, if, you know, if, if that happens to you and your ex doesn't pay, it's going to really hurt you. If, you're, if you have a good credit card history and then you name someone like an adult child as your authorized user, then you can help establish good credit for that, that adult child. Right. You know, Evan, we don't have a lot of time. Could you just tell just real, real briefly about the new Consumer Financial Commission and what we can expect from that? Because that's, that's really brand new down the pike. Yeah, well, this is, uh, you know, I, I always felt that credit bureaus and credit reports are so important. We need to have regular oversight like a utility does, like your local power company. And this consumer board moves us in that direction where they're going to have much closer oversight over the whole credit reporting and credit scoring system. And uh, there's a lot of pushback from the financial services industry. Big surprise there. But it's one of the best things that could happen for consumers in many years. Will they have enforcement? Uh, will they be able to enforce more they, than they They have? will have some enforcement, and some of their enforcement power will be shared with the Federal Trade Commission. But they also will be cooperating with the state attorney generals, which do some terrific work in this area. Okay. Well, you are so wonderful. Will you just give your website again and your, uh, the name of your book? Yeah, website for the newsletter is privacytimes.com. The website for the book is all spelled out, creditreportsandcreditscores.com. Well, you are so wonderful. We, we appreciate you every time. You always just so much great information for us. And we'll have you back again and hope to see you real soon. Thank you so much, Evan. Thanks, Mari. Thanks to your listeners. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy. Visit our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. And also send us emails about what's important to you in the information age. See our upcoming guests, listen to archived interviews, download podcasts, and join us every week at 8 a.m. right here. Thank you. Stay private. 
The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.